Okay, can we cuss on your podcast? It's guys sitting around chewing the fat. He made me ride here in the bed. You guys didn't see that. All right, we're back. This is episode, I think, 14. If it's not 14, it's 15. I do not know. I don't listen to them back, so I don't pay attention. Cameron can't listen to herself talk, (laughs) so she can't listen. But we have the loan number, interest rate, everything wizard, Mm -hmm. Rhonda Hickey, all the way from Joplin, Missouri. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, quite the trip. Thanks for coming. Mm -hmm. So you live in Joplin, right? I actually live in Seneca, Missouri, which is a little bit south of Joplin, 25 minutes. On some land with some chickens yeah. and stuff. The back of my property is the Oklahoma-Missouri border. And oh, that's cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like do. your property line goes up? Wow. Yeah. Like, so if you walk to the back of my property and there's the fence line, it's Oklahoma. That's cool. Yeah. How many acres do you have? 28. Nice. Yeah. It's really nice. My kids love it. Lots of kids. Lots How of many chickens. kids? Five children. You have five kids? I have five. Yeah. How, what are the ages? My youngest is five and my oldest is 15 and then kind of all scattered in between. Yeah. Are you done? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, how, I am. I'm, you're not supposed to ask people this apparently, but how old are you? I'm 42. Oh, almost. I'll be 42 this year. Okay. I feel 42 already though. So I'll just claim it. <laughs> yep. Okay. There you go. Um, but I, so I had my five and then I ended up having one for a friend after mine that was theirs. hundred percent theirs. And so that was a really cool experience. I am, that is, I would totally do that. That's pretty crazy. After I had my babies, uh, because I'm only having one more, I would totally do that for somebody I knew. I think it would only, I would only want to do that for somebody I I know. I mean, really, my husband knew him, like they were friends of his Mm -hmm. and I kind of saw their journey of what they were going through with how they struggled to have a child. And so after multiple times of attempts, I was like, I'll help. No problem. And <laughs> they didn't take me up on it right away, but like a year oh, so later. so they didn't even ask. You just offered. Yeah. Like a year later, they reached back out to my husband and was like, was your wife serious? And I was like, yeah, I was serious. It was a <laughs> lot more crazy. in depth than I expected. Like you, in the state of Missouri, you actually have to give the baby up for adoption. And so. You oh. do? You, I did. I had to give the baby up for adoption. So if you. To them. Yeah. Hmm. Even though it's a hundred percent genetically their baby. Right. Yeah. But that is, you had the first rights to it or whatever. Um, I don't know if it's rights. I think it's more of just to like um, make sure everybody's on the same page hmm. that I can't come back and be like, no, that might've been my baby. Right. Yeah. And then cause them trouble. But yeah, That's pretty that crazy. is so cool. Do you ever see them on Facebook? You don't, you don't I, I mean, I've met her once or twice, like the, the baby. She's like three now. Yeah. And what was really cool is after I had, you know, my womb mate, mm-hmm. um, they ended up having a baby like totally naturally. On their own. That happens a that, lot, doesn't it? Yeah, like a year later. So now they have London and Luna. That is two so little girls. Crazy. Man. I've heard of that happening. Like to a lot of different people, they Once decide the to adopt or something another avenue, and then yeah. they're able to. Have were you them. worried that you were gonna like get attached? No, Mm-mm. I have too many of my own. <laughs> You're like, I would no more, more like I can throw in a bonus kid. Do you want yeah. another one? But no. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So no, I didn't worry about that. In fact, you have to go to counseling ahead of time to make sure that you're not going to be somebody that's really? going to that turns be crazy. like, I want to take this baby. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whew. 
Anyway. So, Segway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where are you from originally? I'm from, well, originally, I was born in Oregon, but I was raised in Washington State. So mm-hmm. out by Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Joplin in 2010, right in time for the tornado. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So 2010 was our first full, like, 2010 into 2011. And, um, yeah, Missouri kind of threw a lot of stuff at us at the beginning, but we love Missouri. It's a great place. Yeah. So how old were you when you came to Missouri? Well, you're going to make me do math. I think it was about 30. So you went to college, or did you go to college? I did go to college. I didn't finish college. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly, you don't All in to. Washington. All in Washington. <laughs> and then why did you guys come here? So I started a mortgage in 2005. Mm-hmm. And in 2008, there was a mortgage crisis. Mm-hmm. So the entire nation went through this mortgage crisis. And I basically went from being like a really high producer, like good loan officer to having like no loans. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I guess I'll stay home for a while. And I'd always lived in pretty much my whole life in Washington. And my husband had lived in lots of places and he always wanted to like live some place else again. But I said, I never would. Well, in like a moment of weakness, I was like, I guess we could live somewhere else. And I was thinking like California or Colorado, like someplace awesome. He's like, so like a week later, he's like, I think we're supposed to move to Joplin, Missouri. And I'm like, hmm. Where'd he pull that from? So he was here from eight to 15 years old. Uh And the week I had had my emotional break of like, maybe we could move somewhere else. His youth pastor from growing up had asked him to come out and help with music at their church. And so he felt like it was God being like, Mm -hmm. you should go there. And we honestly do feel like it was very God directed. So I kind of put a lot of, um, asks on God. Like I said, all these things would have to fall into place for this to even be a possibility. And like in record time, God was like, look, all these things, (laughs) all these things are exactly what you said. And so now you can go. And so then I got behind it and. So you had your first at least, right? If not. I had two. I had two within 15 months of one another. So my two oldest boys are very close in age. And they, so they were one and two years old when they moved out. So they didn't know what was going on. They were just like, whatever. Yeah, just whatever. There you go. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So was one of the things that you had to have happen was get a job here with loans? Um, Sam needed to get a job. So that was one of the things was one of us needed to have a job. But at that time, the market still hadn't fully recovered. But still, like within a month of moving out here, I had a job at a bank. I had a couple job offers. And honestly, that was kind of a God thing too. Because I remember praying like, God, I have all these opportunities. Close the door on the one that I'm not supposed to take. And the company that had offered me the job, one of the banks, called me and rescinded their offer. Dang. I know. And I was like, God, my pride. Why? No. Yeah. So they said that my personality wasn't the right fit. So what were they looking for? I don't know. They had me take a, these all these personality tests. That was what kind of job at the bank was it? It's mortgage lender. Oh, and they took the personality. They made me take all wow. these personality tests, made me an offer, and then took it back. But I believe that was God too, yeah. because I was supposed to go to the bank. I went to. Yeah. And then it was great. <laughs> what What was that? I went to Liberty Bank, yeah. which is now Simmons Bank. Doing bank loans. Alcohol. Doing loans. So you were always at banks doing loans? Never? I'd always been at banks. I'd never been at a mortgage company. That what's, was What's the difference? That was God-directed, too. Um, so at a bank, I kind of look at them like jack-of-all-trades. They do all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. Depository accounts, auto loans, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at a mortgage company, all we do is mortgages. Yeah. Like, we are only good at one thing. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah. Mm. So what's your favorite type of loan? 
VA loans are I my favorite type of loans. Why? What is that? I have no clue what that. It's for veterans. Okay. Yeah. So either active duty or retired military. Um, the reason why I like them is because they're zero down. They have no mortgage insurance. They have some really cool features. They that, don't have PMI? No PMI. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that. And if they have a percentage of disability rating, which is 10% hmm. or greater, then they have even more benefit. Because normally, like when you're doing a government loan, there's an additional fee that gets charged. But it's not out of pocket. It gets financed into the loan. So all government loans have that. But if you're an exempt veteran, so more than 10% disability rating, that is waived. And you don't hmm. have to pay that extra fee. That's nice. Yeah. You do, how many do you think you get to do? Like out of 10, do you get to do a couple VA loans or is it pretty rare? Um, it's definitely not rare. So I probably close 60 to 70 VA loans a year. How many loans did you close a year total? Um, well, last year I closed 470. And that's you or your team? That's just me. Just you. Yes. So my team... 470. Yeah, 470. A couple, almost a couple, well, over one a day, I guess, huh? Yes. Yeah. That's a lot of juggling. That is a lot. Yeah. I mean, and especially since during the loan process, a lot of times people are, they're very curious what's going on with their loan all the time. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes late at night when they're (laughs) sitting in bed thinking, why didn't I ask her this question? Yeah. So it's a lot of um, texting calling, yeah. emailing I, all the time. Gosh. So how many, how many, do you call it a team? Yeah. I call, how many people are mm-hmm. on, under you or is that right? Yeah. So that's a good question. So our team has different, it's kind of a little bit difficult to explain. Mortgage companies and mortgage lenders are usually not on teams. They're usually very individual. So yeah. they're usually, there's a loan officer and maybe one loan assistant. And that's how it started at Flatbranch. I'd never had an assistant. And when I got recruited to Flatbranch, they were like, you need help. You can't do this many loans on your own, which at the time I was doing like 230 loans mm-hmm. by myself a year. And so I made my first hire, which I hired poorly. I hired somebody who was meant to be a loan officer and I hired him as a loan assistant. So mm-hmm. we quickly moved them to a loan officer just because they weren't in the mm-hmm. right role for them to be the best them and for it to support and stuff like that. So if you count like loan officers, loan assistants, stuff like that. There's 39 of us. And you're in charge of all of them? Um, they're each in charge of like themselves. I thought you, know? you were like a leader. I am. I am the team leader in the okay. sense of like everybody came onto my team. Yeah. But if they close five loans, they make five loans worth of income. Like yeah. I'm not taking. That's on them. Yeah, yeah. But we support one another. And that's what's unique about my team is that. If I'm out of the office or if I'm in a closing and I'm need and a customer needs something right away, I can message anybody on my team and then have a loan mm-hmm. officer that cares about me and my mm-hmm. clients jump in, yeah. read my notes, figure it out and be able to help. And it's not like, there's no like, well, that's not my deal or right. you know, that's everybody nice. just wants to help. So that's, cool. that's where we're a team at is in our shared support. So we share like who sends out the disclosures or who locks the loans. Those are all the same people for all of us. Yeah. So nice. Hmm. So what is the biggest myth about loans, mortgage, home loans? There's so many myths. First of all, like I could bust out a ton of myths. I'll tell you the biggest objections I often have are people don't want to get their credit check because they think a credit check is bad. So I'd say that that is a myth. A credit check is not bad. It's necessary. Like if you're trying to get, $150,000, 
we need to check your credit to see if you're going to be able to manage your finances, if you have sufficient credit to repay. So there's lots of things where people these days have a real fear over having their credit checked as part of the process. Hmm. Do you think they have fear of having their credit checked because they don't, their credit scores on the poor end? No, I think it's because they're scared it's going to hurt it, right? I think they're scared it's going to hurt it. I think they're scared that the last time they went and shopped for a car, the car place pulled their credit 15 times. Yeah. But they just don't understand that the car, the credit bureaus realized they didn't just go buy 15 cars. <laughs> they just went and probably bought yeah. one car. Right. And there was a shopping experience that yeah. took place to either the, the, you know, that bank to find the best rate or maybe one bank said no. So they had to check with another. Yeah. So I think it's just misconceptions that are probably propagated by like credit karmas and stuff like that, yeah. where they see those inquiries and they see them as a bad thing. And in reality, it's not. It's a necessary thing. Hmm. Any other good ones? Yeah. I would say the other one that I hear (laughs) a lot is people think that being a first-time homebuyer is a special advantage. And it used to be. like Historically, being a first-time homebuyer, you could get some true incentives. Like There used to be some tax breaks and stuff like that. And now there's very few incentives that are truly geared towards being a first-time homebuyer. Like you cannot be a first-time homebuyer and still get a zero down loan. The, the government loans? Can, yeah. Can't you just have one at a time? Um, yes and no. So it depends. Like the program does have certain, like for example, a USDA rural development loan. It's one of the most popular zero down mm-hmm. loans. It's a government loan. Um, if let's say you have a house and your house is now no longer meet your needs. And they define that by how many people based on how many bedrooms in the house and live in the living room counts. It's not even a bedroom, but mm-hmm. like living spaces within the house. And so if you exceed 1.5 people per those designated spaces, then you would be have outgrown that house and you can go get another one without having sold the first one. So there's oh, you some can have little, two at, one t- at once. Mm-hmm. There's some mm. little rules like that where it allows you that, but most people don't fit into that. So yeah. you're usually never going to run into it. It's like more obscure. Hmm. So how come, because a lot of times when people come to me, they're already approved through somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we get, you know this, we get 10 minutes into it and they realize there's a huge problem and they can't do the loan. How come you guys can say yes when other people say no? So I honestly think it comes down to sometimes the loan officer's knowledge about that program in particular. Really? that they'll say yes when it should have been a no, or they'll say no when it should have been a yes. And so they just either don't know how to calculate someone's income correctly, or they work for a more conservative lender. So each program has an entire handbook of rules. Okay. And if, and sometimes lenders will place these things called overlays, which is where they put rules on top of the rules. So then maybe the loan itself says, you can go as low as a 600 credit score, but the lender says, okay, but we don't want to go lower than a 640 credit score. They can set those sorts of rules. Each company. Each company. So that that allows it to be like, well, one person might be like, well, I got told no by two different people. And it's like, well, then it's good you're checking with me because you might get told one more time no, but at least you're going to understand why. Mm -hmm. My goal is to actually never tell anybody anybody no, it's to tell them how. Mm -hmm. So if there's a way to do it, which there usually is. It's okay. How we're going to need to do this is we need to add a cosigner or how we're going to need to do this is you need to work 40 hours a week for the next, you Mm -hmm. know, couple pay stubs so that we can document (laughs) that you have sufficient income. But we're always trying to look at a way to say yes, 
we have a vested interest in that transaction closing yeah. too. So we want it to be, yes. So I would say more often than not, when I'm rescuing a deal, it's like, Hey, this deal is falling apart. This is what's happening. It's either because of something with the property that the lender doesn't like, or it's something with the borrower that they missed. And then we're coming along trying to figure out how do we, how can we say yes, given this is what we know. Yeah. Do you guys do manual underwriting? We sure do all the time. I'm really? like a queen at manual underwriting. <clears throat> yep. What does that mean? It's where the computer-based system doesn't say yes. Can we override it? Like, does it fit within? So each program has, hey, the computer, it's called the AUS, Automated Underwriting System. It says yes, or it doesn't. If it doesn't, then can you say yes anyways? And then there's this whole other set of rules. Um, but sometimes, even when the computer says yes, this is the part where a lot of loan officers don't know all these things. They should, but the, there's too many handbooks, too many programs, mm -hmm. and they're changing too frequently for a lot of loan officers to keep up on the rules. Or maybe they're just not doing enough loans where they run into it over and over again. Mm -hmm. We do so many loans that we run into these things over and over again. So we're always fixing them. But like, for example, I had a client recently, they had missed, they had a house that they were selling, but in the last 12 months, they'd missed several mortgage payments. Okay. So they went 30 days late. Computer still comes back with approval. They're putting enough money down, but the guideline says if you have more than three on the certain loan type that they were mm -hmm. doing, you have to be manually downgraded, which means it doesn't matter if the computer says yes, you have to manually underwrite it. But then the problem with the manual underwrite on that pr program is you can't have more than, well, you can't have any housing lates in the last 12 months. So essentially it's, this is not a doable loan. Right. But yeah. you wouldn't know that because the automated underwriting system would say, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And so that's the type of thing where sometimes people will get in trouble because they say yes. Isn't it usually for people who don't have a credit score? Um, you do have to manually underwrite often people who don't have credit scores. So USDA is a perfect program for that because it allows for alternative credit references. So if somebody's like, well, I pay my rent and I pay my cell phone bill and I pay my car insurance. Awesome. Wonderful. We only need rent plus one document it for 12 months. And we can use that in place of somebody not having a credit score. So you don't have to have a credit score to buy a house. You can buy a house zero down with no credit score. There's another myth. Busted. <laughs> There's another myth. Do you have a bunch of do you have a bunch of Dave Ramsey people that tell you that? I do and you know what bothers me about that? Yeah, what? Is they end up with worst interest rates. Why? Because they don't have credit. <laughs> so the credit scores help even if you can uh, get one with manual underwriting, you get a better interest rate. Even if you can get one, rate, you're going to get a worse score. deal because Yeah essentially it's a risk-based loan and there's more risk with people who we don't know how they're going to behave in a loan transaction. Hmm. I've seen a bunch of your social media posts and the way you do things is, are you, I know you're a Christian, but is mm -hmm. flat branch a Christian based company? You know what? They are not a Christian based company, but for not being a Christian based company, you'd think that there was a whole bunch of Christians there because they're such a, um, good from the bottom of their heart company. Yeah. And so honestly, it's kind of a little bit of a mission field. I don't know if any flat branchers are going to listen to this, but there's a lot, there's a big percentage of Christians, but we had this one thing come up where a loan officer ended up, he had a critical life event. Like mm -hmm. it was a medical event. And I remember the owner from flat branch called me and he said, we need you to pray. We need you to get your walkie talkie out yeah. to God, you know, because we know that if anybody's going to, and honestly, he had a miraculous healing. So, hmm. yeah, a lot of people on my team are Christians, but it's not exclusive yeah. to that. Do you ever worry about, like, 
losing business based off what you say on social media with about being Christian and stuff or someone not saying the Bible you should Belt. keep that out of there. If I was in Washington maybe. State, I would worry about that, but not out <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, it seems to be always well received. I've actually, that's one of my favorite things about living out here is that I can be really open with my faith and not worry about it. And honestly, I think because I'm so gentle with people, like even people who aren't Christians, like I'm yeah. still their friend. Love right. them. Um, so I don't feel like I put anybody into position of feeling like I'm hard or pressing on that. It's just, were you raised like that or, or did you have like some crazy conversion? No. So my dad is a preacher. Oh really? Yeah. That's cool. In Washington? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's retired now cause yeah. yeah. But, um, so all my life I was raised, I mean, I was a village missions pastor in Washington. Is that tough? Um, no. And honestly, my husband's a preacher's kid too. So it fit really well for me. It was Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. It was a blessing, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. Craziest loan story. I have crazy loan stories every day. (laughs) Last week, somebody quit their job and didn't tell me. And so we did the final verification of employment prior to closing. And they said they didn't work there anymore. And I'm like, we're supposed to close tomorrow. So I had to call them, verify new employment. They're like, well, we didn't, we didn't know that that would be a big deal. (laughs) So it's some, uh, most of the time that I'm trying to fix stuff, it's very well-meaning things, you know, like they, they weren't trying to derail their loan transaction, but we have to then come in and figure out like, I had another one quit their job the week before last. I had to add a (laughs) co-signer with like three days to close. I had to add co-signer requalify them re-underwritten that's not the craziest i know it's not they're not the craziest Hmm. (laughs) i'd have to think about that one you meet a lot of interesting people don't you we have a like a tree in our office it's like this metal tree and we have like a silver writing pen and when we have a loan where we're like that was a miracle that that closed like that was a really difficult transaction for one reason or another then their name goes on the I tree. I think I've got a couple closed. on the tree. You probably do. I, I've <laughs> I, even probably said this one's going on yeah, the tree. Well, Alec did. He, yeah. I remember him saying uh, the same thing. We have a little tree and this and that. And mm-hmm. I think I got one on there. Mm-hmm. How do you balance being a mom, a wife, and working a full-time job? A um, full-time job where people have where, access to you all yeah, the time. Where you're needed all the time. <laughs> yeah. So and I you have, have five kids. I have one five. kid and... Some days I wonder what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. So I have a really awesome babysitter. She was, I mean, she's amazing. So it's like kind of my kid's daytime mom. So Mm -hmm. I'm at work until work is done. I do not work well at home. I'm not somebody who can pack it up and then set up my computer at at the house. There's too much chaos. Like I just can't focus and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I try to get work all wrapped up ideally as early as possible. And then if somebody reaches out in the evening, I'm always really like accepting of that. Cause I realized that they need to just put it on my plate. And then if I can tell that it's not urgent, I'll usually just acknowledge that I received it and that, Hey, I'll get with us with you first thing in the morning on this. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of pin that message to the top of my text messages. And that's the first thing I go through in the morning. So I just have a, like a system that I feel like keeps me really caught up. It does not feel like too much. There's been at times where it felt like too much. Mm-hmm. And that's usually when I don't have like enough support people. Like the fact that I have Alec right now, who's my business partner, he does so much for me and I have really great like loan assistant support. So we're able to just get that much work done during the day. Mm -hmm. So that allows us to have that balance and that free time and like the evenings and stuff. Hmm. After three kids, does it just turn into like whatever? So five is too many. 
I'll just say that. Five's too many. Five's too many. You know, it's when you're planning it, you're like, oh yeah, we'll have a big family and it's going to be great. But it's like, it's a lot. Don't you think it'll be It's a lot for them though too. Like I'll tell you, like that was the part I didn't expect is that even on my, like my oldest has autism Mm. and he has, it's just a lot of stimulation all the time, but we would have not known that. Like, I mean, by the time we, we realized Kale had some different needs and stuff like that. There was, I mean, we had three kids, you know, so it was just like, well, so here we So are. you guys didn't know until? Yeah, until he was probably three or four, like, okay. was when we started to really notice, like, the speech delay and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. how long it took him to talk, and he just had, like, a lot of little quirks that added up we probably should have known, especially in comparison to his brother, who's so close in age, but um, I just think as a parent, when you're always around them, you maybe don't recognize it yeah. right away. Right. Other people recognized it way before we did. But maybe so. they don't want to say anything. And maybe they didn't. I had yeah. some people ask me, like, does your son have autism? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, he's just a slow talker, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I mean, now that he's 15, he is, I mean, he's super smart, great singer, like, good at piano. Like, he's just really talented at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he has, still has a little... A lot of little quirks. Yeah. So. Man, I five. But when they're all older, it'll be fun. It'll be like. I think it really Not that will it's be not fun. fun now, but when they're all like in their 20s and 30s yeah. and you don't have to take care of them, you can just hang out. I know I'm going to miss so many things because everybody tells me like, it's going to go by so fast. You're going to miss it all. But sometimes like when you're in the midst of it, you're like. Yeah, and everybody's like, mom, mom, mommy, mom, mom. <laughs> you're like, whoa. Ike feels chill. that way with the constant holding we're going through right now. The newborn phase. It's been a little tougher yeah. for Ike. Yeah, it, the constant holding. And it'd be different if she was a cuddler, but it's like she has to be held 24-7, but also when she's holding you, she wants nothing to do with You're you. You're holding mm-hmm. her. So she needs to be facing out. If you if you try to cuddle her, it's like straight arms stiff. It's far, like, ah. They're so, also different. Like if you have another one, you're going to be like, wow, they're so different. Cuddler. Every one of ours were so different. Yeah. I really want a cuddler. I have a cuddler, but that can feel also very like up in your grill all the time. <laughs> well, Carson's yeah. up in my grill all the time. She needs her mom all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hard, but it's good. I know I'm going to miss it. So mm-hmm. I try to There's not so get to many fun parts about being a parent. There's a lot of awesome, awesome stuff, but it's the hardest thing ever too. Cause they, harder than loans. Harder, honestly, right up there with loans. They're both very hard. I was actually thinking on the drive oh, drive over because I was thinking, man, parenting is hard because I had one of my kiddos was grounded. He knew he was grounded, but tonight he wanted to go to the school dance, mm-hmm. and so to like enforce that, that's hard. The fact that hey, and okay, yes, you can go, but you still have to accomplish this thing that we told you you were grounded until you did, which mm-hmm. was clean his room, mm-hmm. which is not that big of a deal, but. And fighting ensues because he shares his room with his brother. It's like, well, I don't have to do this. Yeah. But to enforce that when you want to be like, I don't want you to miss out on fun things. Yeah. yeah. But I'm the type of mom that would be like, okay, we'll do it when you get back. <laughs> My husband is just like, no. So, so he didn't get to now. go to the dance? He got his room clean. Oh, he and got And grandma it signed off on it. So he did get to go to the dance. Oh, okay. But we go. held that line. That we as in be, your husband? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I actually told them to call their dad. So you're and like, then, yeah. I can't answer you. Better call somebody else. I know. I'm yeah. a sucker, and they all know it. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what do you love more, loans or chickens? Did you know she was a big chicken person? No, I am. I have a lot of chickens. Um, chickens are really relaxing, so they balance out the loans. I do not think of chickens as relaxing. 
Do you ever like watch fish in a fish tank and you're like, oh, it's so relaxing. It's kind of like chickens pecking at the ground. Like it's just relaxing to watch them out Mm -hmm. in the field and they're just living their best chicken life. So I only have 17 right now. That's down a lot. I got up to six in the 60s. That was too many. Were you selling eggs? I was just giving eggs away. But honestly, I just realized that it was just too many. Yeah. I don't need that. Like we, my family any? just doesn't like eggs that much yeah, anymore now yeah. that they've ate a lot of eggs. <laughs> Do you have any other animals? We have cats, four cats. Yeah. So did you grow up on land or was this new? No, I grew up in, I'm not going to call it a city. It's definitely not rural, but I'm, I grew up, I mean, was 45 it? minutes north of Seattle and Seattle's kind of like an endless city. So. Was it new for him too? For who? Sam? Your, your husband? Yeah. Like living in the country? Mm-hmm. No, I feel like he lived lots of places. So he's lived in California and he's lived in Joplin, Missouri. And he's, yeah. you know, lived in Washington. So I, I don't feel like it was new for him. I feel like he lived in rural places enough. Yeah. But this was like, I've never lived somewhere that was so rural. Yeah. But I love rural. You like it better? Oh yeah, way better. Yeah. What's next? What's your future plans? You know... Right now we just keep doing loans. I'm I'm so grateful because I you can't be like I'm going to go to school to be a mortgage loan officer and you can't even be like I want to go work as a mortgage loan officer. Like even just the idea of it, you can't just be like I'm just going to go do this. It's a really hard job to get into and yeah. everybody that does what I do kind of has a story of how they got into it. And mine was I sold cars. I was Ronda Honda. Honda Honda Auto Center of Bellevue, Washington. (laughs) Ronda Honda. And I sold a car to a woman who was a private mortgage maker for Wells Fargo. And she's like, you need to come do what I do. And she got me into doing home loans. So I feel really blessed to get to do that and to have had the people in my life that have just poured into what I feel like is my specialty of like what all the knowledge that I know about all the different loan types and how to structure them. And I just feel like super blessed to be doing what I do. So. Oh, Ronda Honda. Yeah. So she just knew, or she could tell you were a good saleswoman and just thought. Mortgages is a lot about sales because it's not just about knowing all those product guidelines. I've got to like encourage somebody to go with me or even to develop a realtor referral relationship. Sometimes that's sales. Like why pick me over somebody else? Yeah. Right. Cause my yes is going to be yes. And my no is going to be no. And we'll get it to the closing table. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. For all the people who think the sky is falling right now, why is this different than 2008 with the interest rate Credit guidelines are what is different. So 2008 was a mortgage crisis driven by deregulation. So essentially, if you came to me in 2005 and you said, hey, I've got a great job. I've worked there for two years. I make $15,000 a month and I have $50,000 in the bank. I wouldn't have to verify any of that. I'd be like, sounds good. You're approved. We can close in two or three days. (laughs) And we would close without verifying anything, without any disclosures. And so essentially you'd show up at closing and I'd tell you, here's how much you need. There was no like timeframes for how long you have to review documents. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter if I sent you your appraisal or not. So there was bad things that would happen because there was a bunch of loan officers who could say yes to anything 
that somebody, so they'd be like, oh, so you make $10,000 a month, right? That's how you can Mm -hmm. qualify for this house. Or you used to also be able to pick up the phone and call an appraiser and be like, hey, we really need this to come in at this value. You can't do that stuff anymore. Right. Now we have a lot of regulation. Now we have to double check. Does someone's year-to-date income match what their hourly Mm -hmm. pay rate is at the amount of hours they say they work? And we have to verify, does the property appraisal meet? And I can't even talk to an appraiser. So yeah. The regulations these days are what keep those things from happening because people are knowing what they're getting into and they can qualify for those things. Yeah. How would you do, since we, you can't check our, what we work and we, we don't have like a, I don't even know. 1099s. I know, but we don't have. So 1099s We're self-employed, so we're not. Self-employed is totally different. And I'll tell you, we could have a whole nother call on self-employed because that's a whole thing. But essentially, because people will call me and they'll say, okay, here's my 1099 income. Well, you got to file it either, you know, into a business tax return or into a Schedule C. And then you're going to take a bunch of write-offs because you want to reduce your taxable income. Problem is self-employed doesn't work great with mortgage because I have to use the number after all the deductions Mm -hmm. and I have to show a history of it. So is the history declining? Is it inclining? Is there any depreciation? How much did they write off? What's the profit and loss? So there's all these different things that are going to go into self-employed income that don't really come into play W-2. So I could have somebody call me and be like, I make $200,000 a year. It's like, awesome. Then I get their tax return. I'm like, so you make $2,000 a year? Mm Mm-hmm. You Your accountant is real good, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's just one of those things where that's the type of income though, that we'll educate them on it, Yeah. but it is, it can kind of sometimes bite people. Yeah. Do you ever have like the, a barber who's like, well, I make all this cash. Why can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when somebody's like, well, I work, but I mean, we don't claim it or anything. It's like, oh, tax evasion. Yeah, that is an <laughs> actual thing. I don't actually say that to people, but that's what I'm kind of thinking because that's basically what they're telling me is. <laughs> You're like, don't say that out loud again. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I do have people where they'll have worked under the table and it's just not usable income. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, you need to go get a job. Yeah. I can't help you. Yeah, I... uh I just get not not frustrated, but kind of annoyed because I don't know. Maybe you're more um, blunt than I am. I know Cameron's way more blunt than I am. But you know when you get a customer who knows everything mm-hmm. and you kind of have to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though you're thinking, stop, you're so wrong. But you got to kind of just let them have their – do you let them have their I, – I do because I'm, I'm – what I'm getting at is – I have a lot of people who think they're financial gurus and they're like, well, this is just a bubble like 2008 and it's going to, I mean, it's going to, it can't keep going up. It's going to crash with this and that and this and that. And I so badly want to say all the things you just said, but that's just sometimes not worth it. Yeah. Sometimes talkers (laughs) just want to talk, but at the end of the day, like I remember when the first bubble did happen and I remember a couple people were saying like, hey, this could happen. I was like, yeah, there's no way. There's too low of inventory. There's too much competition. And then it did happen. So I'm one of those ones where because I lived through it the first time, I'm like always a little bit more like apprehensive. But what you can look at historically, doesn't you could look at the entire history of the recordable mortgage industry. And there's one thing that is true is property values increase. 
doesn't mm-hmm. matter if there's a bubble. It doesn't matter if it even burst. It will correct. It does mm-hmm. go up. So, and plus out here and in rural, you know, middle America, you did not have those same types of bubbles that people experience on the coasts where yeah. there's $100,000 swings in property values. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like we are somewhat sheltered from that. Um, interest rates, that's another thing. In 1981, interest rates were the highest that they got. They were 23.5%. So it's like we're, we don't have it as bad as we could have it. I do believe it will get better. I do know that rates and loans are refinanceable. And I do think that property values will increase. So I think that real estate's a good investment. And that's as an owner occupied, like moving into a house instead of paying rent is a good investment. Yeah. Yeah. How high do you think they're going to get this time? Well, I know, I know nobody if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said that we'd already had the highest that they were going to be and that I didn't think that they were going to go any higher. So now we have kind of reached back up into where we were like November, December. So we're in the low sevens right now. High sixes pretty much Sky's again. Uh, I don't, it's right now you have a couple things working against you. You have the debt ceiling debate that's going mm-hmm. on in the news where the government still hasn't settled it. That creates a little bit of market uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And then you also have where the feds are not talking about, it's kind of like the market that, that sets interest rates is very emotional. It's backed by investors who are like, is our money safe? And so they will kind of pull those strings accordingly. And so it looks at it like the possibility that the fed could still do a couple more, maybe not do any more rate hikes this year, but they're not going to start cutting rates. Yeah. Now those are not mortgage rates. Those are, other types of rates, but still those types of things impact one another. Those, when the Fed raises rates, isn't that just the cost of one bank borrowing from another? It, they're raising short-term rates. So like you get a home equity line of credit, these mm-hmm. are exactly the rates that these are tied to. Hmm. Um, the banks borrowing money the, and yeah. stuff like that. But the mortgage interest rates, those are being set. Typically they follow the bond market, yeah. but not always. That's why it's like, well, they should be doing this. Why aren't they doing that? But yeah. I just, the way I look at it is on any given day, if the goal is to buy a house and that's what somebody wants to do, what is the payment that we can get them and how can we structure it to be the most affordable or the most refinanceable when things do correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still feel like still a, still a smart deal because even if you look at, okay, well, what if I waited till rates were better? Well, then yeah. how much more is that house going to cost then? Yeah. How much traction we, do we actually lose? Yeah, you could just, yeah, like you said, refinance when they get better. Mm-hmm. Then you make more money. Well, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So what, anything else you need to talk about other than loans? Is there anything to your life other than loans and 100 kids? You know, a lot of my life is loans and 100 kids. But um, I would be happy to help anybody who had any questions, even if I'm not their lender. I am happy yeah. to be a resource to people. Um, I'm not a commercial lender. I'm not a construction lender. So usually when people reach out to me for those sorts of things, I pass them along to a friend. You don't do new builds. You don't do commercial. So new builds all day long, but I do them where somebody's purchasing them from the builder. Not a construction loan. Not a construction loan. A construction loan is an in-house bank loan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you do investment loans though for residential? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One to four unit um, is what we do for either owner occupied. Yeah. Um, we do second homes. We do investment properties. Any Most, land? No vacant land. No. Uh-uh. Hmm. no. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I feel yeah. like I learned a lot cause I knew nothing. <laughs>
There you go. Happy Hopefully to help. everybody else did too. I learned I learned some too. All right, well, thanks for coming. Everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.